Once more unto the breach, dear friends, else close the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, aspirationally, boys and girls. Uh, welcome to the Personal Wealth Coach. This is Jake McClure. On the line with me, I have... Jeff McClure. Together, we are the Personal Wealth Coach and, and mm-hmm. bald. I'm glad you got that straight. Yes, we have to establish, this is full disclosure, you guys need to have uh, total knowledge of the fact that there are two bald men with beards talking to you at the moment. John's question is, is a very short question, what happens when the backup plan needs a backup plan? Is it really, it needs a bailout. Is it really this bad news? He sent us a picture of a letter to the editor in the Wall Street Journal, the coming, it's titled The Coming Bailout of State Pension Plan. Right. The author of the letter, by the way, is from the R Street Institute, which is a libertarian institute and uh, doesn't basically believe in the state backing of pension plans in general. But the the bottom line to it is, yes, there will be pension plans fail at some point. They have been pension plans failing for a long time. If they're backed by the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, which is like the, which is a federally funded, not funded, uh, uh, I'm sorry, you're saying no? I, I'm, I'm just, go ahead with your thing. I've got some stuff to, to bring into this, but go ahead. Well, the bottom line to it is the state pension plans, which is what the headline, the headline is about, are not backed by the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. The, that, that's what I was saying no about. Yeah. The letter, by the way, is not about the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation as much as it is about, or not about state pension plans, as much as it is about the multi-employer pension plans. And yes, there will be multi-employer pension plans that fail. There will be state, there may very well be. Illinois' pension plan is on the verge of failure and has been for a long time. So what I think is going to happen is really very simple. When Puerto Rico's system failed, the federal government stepped in with some guarantees. It took them a while, and they agonized over it, and they yelled about it. But the bottom line to it is you can't let something as big as a state go bankrupt. So we'll step in at the federal level, and we'll fix it. I don't have any question. We've been fixing a lot of things. We backed up General Motors when it went bankrupt. We've backed up a lot of companies when they went bankrupt as a nation because we look at it's just a matter of profit and loss. It's a matter of looking at the situation and saying, Let's just say, let's use Illinois, for example. Let's say the Illinois pension fund goes belly up, not backed by anything except the state of Illinois. The state of Illinois can't raise taxes high enough to cover their pension fund losses. Will the federal government just say, forget Illinois and let them sink? No, I don't think so, because Illinois has a huge chunk of the GDP. And you, once, it starts, once that starts happening, enough people lose enough money that it affects the national GDP to the point where it would be disadvantageous to the United States and it would actually reduce the revenue to the United States. So, yeah, there's going to be the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation will need to be backed up by Congress probably at some point. It hasn't so far, but it might at some point. Just like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were backed up by the United States government, even though technically the United States government didn't have to back them up. Just like during the banking crisis, the United States government stepped in and backed up the FDIC. Just yes. like the Resolution Trust Corporation was formed by uh, Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush to back up the credit unions and the savings and loans that were failing. The savings and loan disaster of the 1980s and 1990s, was, it, it didn't save the savings and loans. It just saved 
the the other people involved just like general motors if you owned stock in general motors you were you were out you you didn't make it the bankruptcy was there uh you lost your money a lot of people that were owed money by general motors also lost a chunk of their money but that's what bankruptcy is oh, there's a really good article on this by the way that is well it tells you how much of a nerd we are when we're talking about this but if you go to the american academy of actuaries it's actuary.org and do a search for overview of multi-employer pension system issues this they have the absolute best information on this period there's about 10 million people period in the united states covered by multi-employer pensions what is that there was this thought in the 1970s and early 1980s that these pensions were all going to be there and each company could try to do it on its own or they could band together in a group of other big corporations that basically had the same contracts with their employees and make a big pension together. So UPS did this. A lot of big companies did this. There was a little problem in the planning. And the little problem in the planning fail to take into account that some of those corporations might not exist in a few years. That the multi-employers might have to cover employees that were not their own for businesses that failed. So about 1 million people of the 10 million people covered in these plans are in these failing multi-employer pensions. UPS has multiple pensions. Uh, There are a lot of corporations out there that actually have multiple pensions. And if you're looking at retiring in the near future and you're seeing you've got three pensions from the same company, it's probably because they looked at a multi-employer pension plan that they had for you and said, that's failing at some point in the last several decades. We need to start our own. Let's go with another multi-employer. Oh, that failed too. Let's make it just our own. The reality is that the guarantee of a pension has only ever been as good as the guarantor. And the guarantor, the main guarantor, is your employer. And if your employer is not around to pay the pension, just ask the people who had pensions with General Motors. It was, it was changed. It was reduced, it was sometimes significantly, and sometimes people lost their pensions completely. So this is just something to be aware of. Pensions as a whole have a lot of different meanings to them than a 401k. This is why 401ks are much more popular over time. One of the long-term, we talked about demographics earlier, and we talked about birth rates, and one of the long-term effects of this is Social Security in, I think it's 2030 now, the Social Security Commission is is suggesting, will run out of money. Medicare is going to run out of money. The, the trust fund will run out of money. It doesn't mean that you'll stop getting paid. It'll just be that year's revenue in, in employment taxes rather than a trust fund adding money. It's really just taking so, it from the general fund right now. Anytime that you have a program that is based on the longevity of a person's life, and it will lose money if people live too long, and life expectancies keep going up. I know they've gone down the past two years. But that's a COVID thing. If life expectancies keep going up, eventually these companies are going to be in financial trouble. The other thing that's that's changed across the board is interest rates are too low. In other words, pension funds and 
government funds and everything else that have to do with pensions and annuities depend on interest rates as their primary source of income. When interest rates are running well below inflation, and they are right now, then these that indicates that there's going to be trouble down the road. And, and it's really important to take a look at any place that guarantees you money in any form or fashion. As Jake said, who's the guarantor? The other thing is you want to look at is, is it realistic to assume that this guarantee can be met? Yeah, because so, yeah, the PBGC, the, the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, is not currently funded well enough to back up the the plans that are failing. Uh, what they've done over the past several years is increased the insurance premiums on the existing plans. It's uh, it's very similar. How they get paid for is very similar to the FDIC. FDIC charges insurance premiums to banks for the coverage. It's an insurance. Uh, the Pension Benefit, Benefit Guarantee Corporation charges the pensions that it's covering. It didn't charge enough and it's raising its rates. It's still probably not going to have enough money on hand to completely cover the pensions, at which point the government may step in and say, we need to cover these people. We don't know. They, they might. Um, and by the way, the PBGC does not cover 100% of your pension. That's correct. It covers a percentage. It varies from year to year now as they change the rules. But the bottom line to it is you'll get at least part of your pension with the PBGC. On the other hand, let's say you've got a pension that's set up where your employer, at the end of your employment, buys a group annuity for you. Who backs that? And the answer is nobody but the insurance company in most cases, because group annuities are generally not covered by even the state guarantee funds. Anytime you see something that's got a guaranteed interest rate or a guaranteed return of your money, you need to ask the question, who and under what circumstances is that money coming back to you? This uh, this is a big action item on this subject. If you have a pension and your employer offers to buy you out of the pension, this is there's not a knee-jerk yes or no answer to that, but you need to put some big scrutiny. Don't hold out and say they'll give me a better offer later. That almost I've never seen that happen. And I've heard a lot of people say I think they'll give me a better offer if I wait. No, they won't. They've determined that they're going to do a buyout because the pension is extremely expensive. You just said a moment ago, interest rates being low. What does that have to do with the pension? Well, they're required to fund their pension. The corporations are. In, in a year where the interest rates are doing great, this is one of the problems with the pension plan system in general. In a year where interest rates are good, there's lots of profitability, it looks like the pension is overfunded. Because all of the actuaries do their calculations based on today's interest rates going forward into the future. And if interest rates are high, you don't need as much money to make money. If interest rates are low, you need to have more money in there to make the same amount of money an income. Theoretically. Theoretically. So this, this <laughs> that's a pretty... It's a pretty hard and fast rule. If interest rates are low, you make less money than when interest rates are high if you're making money on interest rates. Uh, so companies are required to fund their plans more, far more, than they were at the early 1980s and 1970s, late 1970s when these things were made. When the interest rates were in the double digits, you could actually be taking money out of the pension 
and using it in the corporation during that time period because interest rates were so high. The actuaries were saying, this is going to make way too much money. You don't need to pay this much money out here. Take it out and use it in your corporations. Sort of what the U.S. government does with Social Security. Uh, that's just a side note. It's not much else that the U.S. government could do with it. But when you're spending it in the general revenue, it's not invested long-term in the pension. That was some of the early problems. Then some of the employers fell out, died, went bankrupt in the, uh, in the multi-employer firms, leaving the other ones to try to shoulder the load. It's kind of like NATO if none of the other members of NATO actually spend any money on defense. One group, one, one entity would be defending everybody. So UPS, is, they've got a very, very healthy pension system as well as one that's totally failing, and that's just one example. Lots of the old line transportation and manufacturing companies generally have some portion of their employees in pensions that are failing at the same time that they're also in pensions that are not failing. So it, it's not as huge a disaster as it sounds. Those 10 million people covered in multi-employer pensions are being counted more than once because a lot of times they're in more than one multi-employer pension. So, John, the bottom line to your question is it happens all the time. Congress backs it up, and they'll probably continue to back it up. Uh, there'll be a lot of posturing if a state pension fund goes bankrupt, like, again, Illinois is not too far from it. But on the other hand, the number of people who would lose money across the country because they've invested in that would uh, be great enough that I think it would probably have an effect. It would have a knock-on effect to everybody. Now, We're in a position federal government is basically backing the states, whether we like it or not. And it's been recognized by a lot of sophisticated investors. And I use air quotes around that. And it's not really sophisticated. It's more like vulture investing. What happened in Puerto Rico is likely to happen again. What happened in Puerto Rico, Jake? Well, the pensions were failing and the bonds were failing for the territory of, of Puerto Rico. The bonds are failing. Well, the big hedge funds jumped in and bought up the bonds because they figure the U.S. government's going to come along and bail them out and I'll get made whole. That's problematic. They did get made whole. The, the hedge funds had some losses, but their losses looked pretty small compared to all the gains they had in the process. So this is another fact that needs to some scrutiny. If we have this basic underlying belief that the U.S. government's going to step in and bail out the states when they need it, and people make massive profits because they know that, there's a problem in that system. That's not a free market system. It's like somebody that hears that there's a highway coming through and they go and they buy up all the land in the area with before anybody else knows that it's going on. And then they make a big profit when the government buys up the land for eminent domain and puts the highway through. And we've got corruption in that area that's still around where people that are in the know go and buy up property and it comes up as scandals every few years and people go, oh, that's horrible. But then it happens again and then it happens again. We've got to build a structure here that says, number one, Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation needs to be charging a higher premium across the board. Number two, 
if the government is in is intrinsically backing these things up and we've just basically assumed that they will, then they need to come in and regulate more. I know that's hard. I, I'm a big deregulator guy. But if the government is on, if the taxpayer is on the hook to pay the bill and they've got no strings to saying what can be promised out there, then we're all going to have high taxes. So regulation and anything that the government is backing makes good, good sense to me. I don't like the fact that the government, that we as taxpayers are likely to going to need to step in and, and, and help out these pensions because it's not like somebody woke up this morning and said, hey, pensions are a bad idea when people live longer. This is a conversation that the U.S. Army has had, that Walmart has had, that UPS has had, that every, every single major corporation on the planet has had when they're talking about retirement plans. It's not hidden in the background. Pensions are hard. <laughs> so we should be aware that pensions are hard instead of saying this slow train wreck that's way off in the distance. Oh, nothing we can do about it. It's on its way here. It's just going to wreck. There are things we can do about it today to make it less expensive and there are things that we could have done about it 10 years ago that would have been a lot less expensive. Man, it sounds like we're talking about Social Security, doesn't it? Yep. This podcast is called The Personal Wealth Coach, and that's also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm based in Salado, Texas. Now, the fact that it's registered with the SEC doesn't mean that the SEC approves or disapproves of anything, neither, neither does the secretary, whoever the secretary is. And this tape will destruct after it's listened to. You the dated yourself. This tape will destruct. Your podcast tape is about to self-destruct. That's why you can't find the tape in it anymore. <laughs> the information that we're providing during this podcast is not considered investment advice. Thank you all for listening, assuming you have. Uh, if you'd like to contact us off the air, we do portfolio management and fiduciary investment advice. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. There's uh, radio programs going back lots of years. There's newsletters you can sign up for. You can contact us through the contact form or directly through Jeff at tpwc.com or Jake at tpwc.com. Until next week, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach. <laughs>